This is Think Health. Today's story comes from producer Nina Kopel. For those who find themselves in the justice system, it can be hard to find a way out. Between 2015 and 2016, almost 45% of all Australian prisoners returned to jail within two years of being released. This is a story about a journey, a trip to South America, where one prison might have a few lessons to teach us about what it means to be free. And taking you behind prison walls is Danielle Logue from the University of Technology Sydney Business School. We took a turn off on a probably a smaller dirt road onto the entrance. And it looks like what you would expect, huge concrete walls all topped with curly barbed wire, uh, a few guards here and there, but still fairly relaxed. And this is a provincial prison, not a federal prison. I was trying to comfort myself with that, thinking maybe the people inside aren't as bad as the real baddies. And uh, we went through a couple of checkpoints. And we were just waved straight through. So we parked, handed over our IDs and the passport for me. And uh, we went through about three gates into an open area. Then the nerves started to kick in and I I did start to ask myself, how on earth did this happen that I'm an academic doing research and now I'm going in to a prison here? Danielle's specialty is social innovation finding creative ways to rethink how we organise ourselves, which is how she found herself in this situation. One of my colleagues in Argentina uh, had started working on this project and he sent me this interesting news article in the New York Times from a couple of years ago about this prisoner rugby team called the Spartans. Los Espertanos in Spanish. And this team was having really significant social impact and dramatically lowering recidivism rates for the prisoners. Which led Danielle to ask... How was it that a rugby team could be formed inside a prison, a total institution, and have such significant impact, but yet not require a lot of resources? Danielle's colleague, the one who sent her the article about the Spartans, was part of an academic research team asking this very question... And he invited Danielle to come along and help. And I was seeing it from that lens of, hmm, how could this be transferred to our country or or what lessons or parts of this program might actually scale or perhaps wouldn't scale or wouldn't work for us? It almost seemed too easy that playing rugby could help prisoners turn their life around. Danielle knew that the answers to her question were inside the prison. She just didn't know she'd be going in on her second day in Argentina. Walking into the cell block, I was bracing myself for leering and all of this negativity as well, this aggression. We went through a large grey metal door with one padlock straight into the cell block. All of the prisoners came to greet you hello with a kiss and an hola, which for me was very confronting and unexpected. This happened as soon as the door opened. I thought, oh my goodness. But it wasn't what she was expecting. 
Everyone was clean, the cell block was clean, as clean as a cell block can be. In fact, the cell doesn't feel much like a cell at all. Uh, it's a huge Spartans uh, logo on the wall, red and yellow stripes on the walls as you enter. The captain's uh, cell that we were shown has lots of different jerseys all on the walls. Uh, thank goodness one of them was a Wallabies jersey, so they were fans, so I felt a little bit more protected perhaps. So it was all quite surreal. I understand what Danielle means. I spent a morning at the prison too, and walking around the Spartan cell, it's easy to forget that you're in a prison. I've never been inside a men's rugby locker room, but the Spartan cell is exactly what I imagine one to look like. The day I go, the guys have just finished a new mural and the team are excited to show us. It's a painting of their coach, Negro. His real name is Jorge, but everyone calls him Negro. And Negro is seeing this mural for the first time too. That's me asking who the painter is. <laughs> he points out one of the men who's gathered around us. An artist, I say. The prisoner I'm talking to, the Spartans team member, he then leads me past the onlookers, towards a door, and then through it. And then he closes it behind us. And we're alone. When I listen back to the audio from this day, I hear a detail in what Negro had told me on the way into the prison, something that hadn't really registered at the time. He says there are three units. One is a medium security prison for minor offences like robberies. Then we drive past the other medium security prison, but one that's mixed-gendered and holds both men and women. The third unit is called 48, and that's where we're going. It's the maximum security section, he says, for serious offences, armed robberies, homicide, heavier offences that have sentences for more than seven years. Then he tells me something else, that a portion of the maximum security prison is exclusively for men with offences for violence against women. But the rules of the prison says that these prisoners must be kept separated. They aren't allowed to play for the Spartans or be with them in their cell. But that detail goes over my head. I am inside a small room with a convicted criminal and the door is shut. As a voice in my head starts to ask what on earth I was thinking, he points to the door that he has just closed behind us. And it's another mural, an artwork he's taken me to see. Very beautiful, I say, and he agrees. Then he opens the door, gives a polite, ladies first gesture and follows me back to the group we've just left behind. One of the things Danielle told me when we first met is that she finds herself alternating between referring to the team as prisoners and as players, but that the more time she spent with them and spent observing them, the more she just thought of them as the Spartans. Everyone had impeccable manners and greetings. It was all very polite and welcoming. Uh, we were there to pr 
pray the rosary as, as it happens. This is one of the rituals and routines of the team and where the other people get up and speak, former inmates come back and speak about their journey. And it's like a bit of a morning tea. The uh, prisoners walk around with cakes that other volunteers and visitors have bought, hosting you. It's almost like a family gathering. And you could almost forget in an outside courtyard where we were sitting that we were in a prison. And we got to speak with the prisoners, hear a little bit about their stories. This man says, my soul hurts. I miss my mum. I miss my three kids. I miss many things. He begins to cry. Another man gets up from the circle we're sitting in and puts an arm around him. He stays there while his teammate continues to speak. I talked the other day with my daughter on the phone. And I don't know her. I don't know her. So the experience of going to the prison um, was really mind-blowing. At first I thought I was as relaxed as my Argentinian colleagues here and I was here and I was doing research and I was almost an investigator, you know, I'm taking notes and trying to do all of this observation because of course I didn't have the Spanish either, so I was really paying attention to who was going where, the different signals, what the grounds and the cells look like to understand how were they being organised. And I think in the back of your mind, you know, and when you look up, you see the barbed wire, you know you're there, you know you're outnumbered, uh, you know the security was relaxed coming in, so you wonder what else is in here? I could have brought something in. What else, what else is in this prison? And I realised actually that I was utterly exhausted. Danielle found the first few hours in prison overwhelming. But then she started to make sense of what she was experiencing. Some of the initial observations were around trust in particular. Trust amongst the prisoners themselves, uh, the real lack of aggression that I observed, the calmness that was in the cell block and also during the match. There was no dirty punches and kicks in the match or anything like that, which is what I was expecting. Another observation or perhaps something that was puzzling me was how they were achieving this balance between punishment and rehabilitation. Because I could imagine the reaction being giving prisoners so much opportunity, opportunity to play matches outside of the prison, uh, would have some stakeholders and stakeholders in Australia saying, well, hang on a minute, aren't they in there to be punished? And in speaking with my colleagues, the view is that that's right. They have done a harm or an ill to society. They are in there to be punished, but we also need to work on their skills in the prison, their life, quality of life in the prison, to hopefully take some of those skills with them when they leave. There was this analogy that Negro used at the rosary ceremony, which I think pretty much sums up the philosophy behind this team. He's saying, and I'm paraphrasing a little here, that as a child, it takes 20 days to learn how to ride a bicycle. After 20 days, you're perfect. But what happens if suddenly you're given a different type of bicycle? One that when you try to steer it to the right, 
moves to the left and vice versa. Do you know how long it would take you to learn how to ride this bicycle? 20 days. 20 days and you would be perfect with this bicycle too. Now, how long would it take you if I returned the original bike, the one that steers normally? How long would you need to get used to the old bicycle? One minute. One minute. This is a message to the team, but also a warning. That their old lives are out there waiting for them. But what they have inside the prison, with the Spartans, is the opportunity to learn a new type of bicycle. This isn't just something that Negro preaches to the team. It's something they seem to really believe in. This is one of the Spartans speaking during his turn at the rosary ceremony. He says, Everyone here inside gives me strength, that I know that what we're learning is to ride this new bicycle, that we are all different here, because here we can talk, you're able to cry, to laugh, everyone together. What you see here, you don't see in other prisons. What we're learning here, through you all, through these types of speeches, through playing rugby, is that. To learn a new bicycle. After my short prison visit, I sit down to have a chat with Negro, the coach, and he's kind enough to speak with me in English. It's amazing. You know that after uh, training, when they start the first training that we do in, in, in each prison to the prisoners, we, we, we make a circle around. I say, okay, what, what was the, what, what did you feel? Now, just quickly. And the first response that they said is freedom. I feel freedom. In, I, I've been seven years in prison and for these two hours, I feel freedom. It's like giving a glass of water to the thirtieth person in the world. How how does it influence recidivism? And and you have friends as well. You know these guys so well. Yeah. Can you see how it's helping them, or if it's having any impact on the outside once they re-enter the world? Perfect. And we have the statistics. The reincidence index in Argentina is sixty-five percent. 65% of the prisoners that get the release, they come back to prison for the same crime or a worse crime. If they get at the beginning because of robbery, uh, then when they come back, they come back with homicide on a robbery situation. So, and if we make some numbers, for instance, in, in here in Espartanos, 500 prisoners go through this program. 65% should have come back. That would be 300 prisoners. Are you ready? Only 10 came back. So we are low. We have lower than 3% reincidence index. There's a lot of things that you can you can see now. I mean, we 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 have track that at least 80 ex Espartanos, they are working in companies that they are. Uh, they accept the challenge to hire Spartanos instead of a regular guy. So, like social responsibility companies, 
these people, of course, they didn't have the, the, the same background that, that we had, but when it's people that a lot of them are willing to to get that second chance and, 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 and move forward from there. It's funny because they say, hey, George, listen, you know what? I bought a refrigerator in 12 quotas. Say, what? Yeah, I have a credit card. How come? Are you? No, no. Something so, for us, so common, for them, it's, it was impossible. And they can change. They can change. And so the rugby seemed to be working. But Danielle still wasn't sure why. Why rugby? Why was it that rugby was having such an impact? And I mentioned this to my colleagues in our first brainstorming session. And I said, why is it rugby? Why not cricket or some other sport? I'm not getting why it's rugby. And they were quite taken aback in one sense, uh, because to them it was so obvious. On the one hand, rugby as a sport is about the physicality. It's about the body and violence in a way. And that translates well for prisoners, this idea of body and violence. They understand this. Rugby can do that and carry a different set of values. The other thing to note here is the national context. Uh, and rugby is an elite sport in Argentina. It is somewhat in Australia too. It's a private school sport. But these prisoners often were not from those upper classes. So rugby to them was a whole new world. They had never experienced rugby like they had experienced soccer and football. So it was a whole new skill set and it brought a whole lot of other volunteers to the prison, rugby volunteers that clearly look like they come from the elite society and high upper classes in Argentina. Like two years ago, the prisoners invited us to play football, soccer. I said, okay, we can play soccer. Okay, so in Argentina, we all play soccer. 15 minutes after the match start, we were all fighting, one against... What the hell are we doing? I mean, what, what's happening here? The, the same people, the same persons playing rugby, they behave completely different than the, if they play football. Above each cell in the Spartan cell block is a word hand-painted in cursive. Words like perseverance, sacrifice, respect. The men are taught that these are the values they should take with them onto the rugby field, and these are the values they should take with them into life. So this is the idea of rugby, not just being a sport, not just providing a, a new... Uh, practical skills or sporting skills, but actually giving them a new behavioural model and identity. Do you think that idea of rugby being a cross socioeconomic sport that people who may not have had access to it in the past are now seeing those role models who are coming, you know, from perhaps a more privileged background and coming into the prisons to coach and to help the teams, do you think that that idea could translate to Australia and that it would have the same? cultural impact in an Australian prison? I'm still wondering if the rugby model itself would translate. I don't think it's as perhaps elitist as it is here for a sport. I think we have more opportunities to play rugby in Australia. So I wonder about that. 
but I don't doubt that a program such as this that is about a team creating a new identity, building trust, building respect, introducing other values has significant social impact and is worth considering. But Negro has no doubts that the Spartans model would work in Australia or anywhere in the world for that matter. In fact, he feels like they have no option but to spread the program all over the world. When the Pope, Pope Francis, heard that we were praying the rosary every Friday for him, he invited us to Roma. So we've been there with 10 ex-apartments, uh, the chief officer of the penal, of the prison, with one judge and 15 other volunteers that we pay our ticket and we have to pay for the ex-prisoners ticket. We, we flew to Rome. We were living all together in the same hostel. We were sleeping in a hostel with the, 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 the judge that put Jesus or Liente in prison together with the volunteer and the entrepreneur person that, that gives them jobs. And we were all together. And when we went to the Pope, he receives us in Santa Marta, in his house. We've been there like an hour and a half. And the Pope says, this is spectacular. And he makes like this. Negro puts his hands together in front of his chest. I mean, this is integration, completely integration. If you sleep in the same room, the, the judge, the chief officer of the, of the prison, and the ex-prisoner, this is integration. And when we were there, he says, you know what? You should do this all over the world. And we were thinking, you know what? We, we, the Pope is receiving us. I mean, we were touching a piece of, of, of cielo. That's Spanish for heaven. And when we are there in our maximum position, the Pope sends us to work. Say, what? Yeah, you have to do this worldwide. What do you mean worldwide? Yeah, so I think we can change the world. I truly believe that. <laughs> Producer Nina Kopel with that story. Health is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on iTunes. 